my name is Doc. I am hosting a softball tournament in June. Actually, it will be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the first weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event uh, to raise money for Mission 22 to help prevent veteran suicide. Because as you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I personally am a Mission 22 survivor. This June will be 15 years for myself from when I tried to commit suicide. So it's just in my heart to give to Mission 22. I would love for y'all to be a part of this tournament by giving donations. I can be reached by email and it's beard, B-E-A-R-D, bash, B-A-S-H dot softball at gmail.com. I would greatly appreciate as many donations as possible. And it does not have to be $5, $10. It can be 50 cents. All, all proceeds will go to Mission 22. Amber, what are you drinking today? Amanda, I know you know. You're Drink drinking that high-quality H2O. H2O. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Bird. How many days are you dry right now? 22. Ooh, you are moving right along. Yes, January 5th was my last sip. I don't think I sipped that day. I'm pretty sure I drank as much as I could because I knew I wasn't going to be drinking again until April. I'm absolutely positive that's what happened. But they say it takes 30 days to change a habit. I'm already looking forward to drinking again. So it doesn't really matter. That habit has not changed. It's just on hold. Hmm. Got you. What are you you drinking, Amanda? Well, I am drinking a Vizzy hard seltzer. Have you ever had them? They're delicious. No, I don't like the seltzer stuff. Oh, I like the seltzer stuff. Vizzy hard seltzer, and it is a pineapple mango flavor. It's 5% alcohol by volume, which is not as much as a natural light seltzer, which is 6%. But the store I was at didn't have the natural light seltzer, so I had to compromise. So that's so that's like a white claw or a truly? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know they were hard seltzers. My bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's but it's called Busy. I've never heard of this brand before, but it's pretty good. Is it an Aldi's brand? Sounds no, like No, I got it at the Walmart and the day before I got it at the Dollar General. So it's a oh. discount store brand. It's tropical though, so I'm sure you're enjoying it. It is. I do love the tropics. I know you do. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a service member can be easy, but being a veteran can be hard. In this episode, we are talking to Elise McKelvey. She served in the United States Marine Corps from 2012 to 2020 as a 4612 which is combat camera. How are you doing today, Elise? And what are you drinking? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I got two things here. I got my H2O as well. And a little bit of a, a white Russian going on. Uh, it's a, a coffee moonshine. That sounds really good. 
It's good. It's past my bedtime, so I have to have something with caffeine. And <laughs> you are on the East Coast. We could have done yeah. you earlier. Now I, I feel we could have. Yeah, yeah it's better earlier. So you said coffee moonshine. Yeah, it's a coffee moonshine. Don't ask me what the brand is, but uh, it's moonshine, apparently coffee infused. Ooh. Um, so I, I think have to go looking at the liquor store for that. Yeah, we might need to yeah. find some coffee moonshine. I've got some moonshine pickles in the fridge right now. I'm about to eat them later. See, there we go. I've That's never good. even heard. Those sounds awesome. I call them friendship pickles because it doesn't matter where you go. If you offer someone a moonshine pickle, they will take it and they will immediately be your friend. Yes. <laughs> it's <Absolutely>. kind of. <laughs> I love cool. all your little things, Amanda. What? I love all your little things. Friendship oh. pickles, breakfast booze. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm an uh, excellent drinker. Good. You've got the uh, the taste there. You yeah. can put moonshine coffee in the morning, like a little like an Irish coffee. Yeah, right. And we were just talking about Irish in us, so I guess I am living up to my Irish side. Right. Cheers to the Irish side. Cheers to the Irish side. Not cheers, and y'all. I'm German. (laughs) Y'all drink beer for breakfast. It's fine. But then I'll also drink like Moscato, you know, something in the. Yeah. She's our person too. (laughs) I know you are such our person. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Sangria. (laughs) <laughs> a sangria is good or like any kind of trash can punch oh oh my gosh i haven't had that in a minute yeah, yeah like it's... you just throw a bunch of booze in a bucket and throw some fruit in there and some kind of sweetener and you are good to go good. i also like a, a good uh um like anything with rum in it pretty much oh i'm i'm no rum i don't do rum that's my puerto rican I- yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Rum makes me sick. It doesn't matter. One of my really great friends, she's my best friend. We are in the Navy together also. She was an air traffic controller with, with Amanda and me, but she married a Puerto Rican and his mom just recently moved to Texas from Puerto Rico. But I have had some Puerto Rican sangria. And <laughs> let me tell you, oh, First of all, you do not taste any alcohol in it at all whatsoever. <laughs> it's made with uh, sugar dangerous. cane. Oh, yes. It's bad, but it's so, so good. <laughs> yes. I'm a little yes. disappointed you haven't shared this with me before. Well, usually when it when I've tasted it before in Puerto Rico, when I went there, because it would be illegal to ship it to the United States. True story. So when I was in Morovis in Puerto Rico, I tasted it and it doesn't last long. So that's why I've never shared with you. And you've never <laughs> gone to Puerto Rico with me. Well, we're well let's make a change that. <laughs> I got family there. They're right in San Juan. So yes. we're going to take gonna our friend to leave and we're going to go to Puerto Rico and party it up. Yes, let's go. Get the like good way. That's on my <laughs> list of places to visit. I have never been there. I've actually you don't need a passport. You don't need a passport. I don't need a passport. So. Yep. Awesome. Yep. American territory. The Virgin Islands in Puerto Rico, right? Oh, do you need a passport to go to the Marshall Islands? Because that's an American territory too. But it's kind of like a weird one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because they also have non-extradition rules. So if you can get to the Marshall Islands, they can't make you go back to the I know continental it. United States. Hop on a boat, you know? Yeah. Just got to get there. 
<laughs> swim. Right? <laughs> Cheers to non-extradition. Schwartz Davidson Law is a Texas-based veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it, spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding the credit bureau's feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. All right, Elise, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from uh, other than your Puerto Rican roots and kind of how your story started? Yeah, I grew up in Ohio, Amish country, uh, Lancaster, Ohio, often confused confused with Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They're pretty much the same area, but um, it is a pretty small area. I raised llamas, 4-H, very, very small town upbringing, you know, playing in what the woods. What was it like to raise llamas? It was annoying because, well, my mom made us do it solely because she wanted us to be in 4-H, so we would take them to the fair every year and, you know, make them do obstacles and we never trained them. So you know that 4-H has like a photography group. I'm not surprised. 4-H has everything. Like they're, they're- I, I did a little 4-H when I was in my preteen years and they do like it was photography because I didn't have any interest in livestock. So that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. You, could have, you could have totally <laughs> avoided the llamas and prepared for your future and took, took pictures of livestock. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was uh, it was interesting. Um, we had four llamas. That's how many we had. And then, but on top of that, I was I played sports. I was in softball, cross country, basketball, swimming. I was also in band. I played percussion in band. And then I did too. What's that? I played percussion in band as well. Oh, really? So I played. Yeah, I was in jazz band. Uh, marching band yeah. yeah I did the snare drum for marching band it was so much fun yeah it is I always in trouble bass drum for the last three and I really liked playing bass drum snare was fun because that's like the cool people do the snare drum you know <laughs> I love it but I was a cool person band was really cool in my high school it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were like oh you're that drummer girl and I'd be like yeah we were so cool but uh yeah I was I was I was quiet though I, I was involved in a lot of things but I was very very shy and very very quiet and then also in high school I decided to break out of my shell and pick up break dancing and I did I learned how to break dance on through YouTube and you can go back on my YouTube and see really embarrassing videos of me trying to teach myself how to break dance keeping in mind I lived in the country so <laughs> Amber, that's put this it. in your notes. We need to see some video of Elise breakdancing. Yeah. All right. I, I'm leaving them up forever because I think they're hilarious. But um, it really helped break me out of my shell. Um, I joined my senior talent show in high school and everyone was like, who is this person? And I like did a dance. 
That's so awesome. I know that is awesome. I went to um, college with a, for a degree in illustration in Boston, uh, the Art Institute of Boston. I was also on the dance team there and I ran cross country and it was division three and we raced D1 and D2, but um, I was able to go to art school and then and run competitively, which was awesome. Uh, were you a top seven when you were running cross country? Was I top seven on in college? Yeah. 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 I was, I was number two, number two, number three. We were, we were pretty good. I mean, that's why we were able to race D1 and D2, yeah. um, even though D3 college. Right. Um, right. My brother ran cross country all through college and that's all he ever cared about was being top seven. Yeah. That's, that's the points. That's when you get the points. Yeah. So you count the top seven. He was like, uh, if you can't run top seven, it's not even worth your time. I was yeah. like, okay. Okay. Although, races where number eight counted because it was that was it was so close that they had to take that number eight person um, and count their score but yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun it was really interesting running in college and and also going to art school because you think as an artist you're not you're not very sportsy you're you're a you're an artist right <laughs> you're a creative person you sports um so I was a little oddball in in art school my junior year of art school, I was taking the history of illustration and they brought up something called combat art. And I was like, what the heck is combat art? I've never even heard of this. And I started doing my research and I discovered this whole era of artists illustrating war scenes. And I was, I was shook. I had never even heard of this before um, but if you open a history book and you look at uh, a history lesson and you see art piece there that's probably a combat artist that did that so it's everywhere I didn't know about it until I ran across you drawing <laughs> I nope. mean I, and I was in the military so that's yeah. definitely one of those jobs that is never spoken about mm-hmm. so every branch has their kind of version of what a combat artist was or is and Historically, like the Navy would hire civilians along with the Air Force and the Army. The, the difference between the other branches and the Marine Corps was in since the art program was established in 1942 and they wanted Marines, Marines stories. And I really liked that, that in order to tell a story, you had to actually be there and experience it yourself. You weren't just giving somebody a photo or telling them what happened and then having them paint what they think it was. It was actually Marines that went these events. And it just really hooked me. And over the next two years, I did more research on it and I connected with current combat artists. And they told me, they were like, hey, uh, this program isn't a primary job. So if you want to join the military, you have to join because you want to actually be in the military and you want to be a Marine. So it took, it took me a while to, to realize I actually wanted to be in the military. I just wasn't in my upbringing. I didn't really grow up in a military family. Uh, it was a little traditional. And so I, I decided I wanted to enlist <laughs> with a college degree, <laughs> which is already like, who, who joins the military enlisted with a college degree? Normally you go off. I didn't know enough about the Marine Corps and if I was to properly share stories, I really wanted to see it from like that ground level up. And so the day after I graduated college, I went to boot camp. And then my story kind of <laughs> goes from there. 
Um, and I was combat camera. So the combat artist program is more like a billet. And when I joined, there actually wasn't a combat artist program. It was something I helped bring back like a few, like, few years later. But I'm always drawing and I found ways to implement art into like the combat camera field, which is more like graphic design, photography, print production, a similar mission, but a little bit different. But they are separate entities. That's There's amazing that you were able to be such an integ- integral, am I saying that right? In- integral? Integral. Yeah. Part of bringing that back as the combat artist as opposed to a combat photographer. Yeah, there. I always say like combat camera. We were there to you know, talk about the Marine Corps and the Navy, or whoever we were covering, and explain what it is we do in our mission in the Marine Corps. Whereas the combat artist program, our sole mission is to tell tell stories, whether it's good or the bad. It's just mm-hmm. a depiction of what it is that the daily life. So there was no like propaganda mission behind it necessarily, and it's a huge. That is super cool. So that's like a nutshell of me. (laughs) A lot happens between A and B, but. (laughs) Right, right. That's amazing, though. We are super proud of you for that, for sure. Thank you. So in the Marine Corps, while you were in the Marine Corps, did you have multiple duty stations? And if you did, what were they? And did you have a favorite one? Um, I had a few duty stations. So. My first, well, I went to MOS school at Dinfos, which is where everyone in that similar OC field, no matter what your branch is, we go there. It's at Fort Meade, Maryland. And my first duty station ended up being 1st Marine Division at, in Camp Pendleton, California. Love it. I loved it. It was awesome. And I didn't realize how lucky I was that I got that as a first duty station because I could have been sent to a non-deployable unit from the get-go, which no hate towards anyone that that's what they're life ended up being but it's just I just really wanted to deploy and like get get going it took about a year so I got to first marine division in 2012 I actually spent six months in boot camp you're only supposed to spend three months but I got hurt I severed all the tendons and the nerves in my hand and they had to do surgery oh wow yeah it was at that time I actually have a sketchbook from boot camp that I would hide and I, I have little sketches of like, since you can't take photos, I sketched with my opposite hand, my like recovery process, <laughs> like all the stitches and what it looked like. Cause at the time I was like, I'm going to forget this moment because I can't take a photo. I don't have my camera in boot camp. Um, so I guess that was my first like instance of drawing life in, in the military. <laughs> uh, because of that, because of that delay, everything sort of got pushed back a little and I missed one of those last Afghanistan deployments in 2012 when they started like cleaning up Camp Leatherneck and all that. So I had to wait for a MU deployment. So once I, once it became 2013, I got uh, attached to the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit, also in Camp Pendleton. And uh, that ended up being my first deployment. And so because you deployed with a MU, were you... Did you go with the amphibious Navy? Yes. Yeah, we were on the USS Essex. Okay. So, or the Sussex, as I guess some like to call it. <laughs> Sussex. <laughs> yeah, that was a year deployment. Uh, so I, I was attached to an infantry unit, which was very interesting for me because obviously I'm a female and it's about 200 guys. So I had to learn how to integrate with them, which... 
I mean, looking back, it was, there were funny moments where like some of our first field ops, they didn't know how to treat me. So they would throw rocks at my tent to like wake me up because <laughs> they didn't want to come near. There was another instance where I, I went out with them for two weeks. And at that point, some of them had already been out in the field for a month and they had one porta shitter for about like 150 guys and it didn't get cleaned. So they actually okay. it off like with tape. Uh, no one was allowed in there. And this was in the desert. And I'm thinking, how am I going to go to the bathroom in the desert when, when there's 200 guys around me? Like, I'm going to like, what am I going to do? Like things like that where you don't think about until you're actually in the moment. And I'm pretty sure I waited till nighttime, you know, <laughs> there was no nowhere to hide. So I had to like, I just had to figure it out, but it took, a, it was about six months of integrating with them. And then, um, and then we deployed, and then I deployed with them on, on the Essex and, Actually, like within a week, one of our ospreys crashed and we lost two two of the Marines. Uh, I don't know if you know or heard about that, but you did, or I did. Yeah, I knew about that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a rough week because three days prior to that in Nepal, there was that crash too. Yeah, that was when the ospreys were like falling out of the sky. Yeah, yeah. Left right seemed it was it was crazy, but um, so that was an interesting week and. We, uh, after that crash, though, we got put into a squad bay in Hawaii for about a week. And they had asked me, they were like, do you want to go back to the ship? And I was like, no, I want to stay here with you guys. Like, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm integrated with this unit. And it was so cool seeing how they kind of came together as a, as a group after, like, losing two Marines unexpectedly. And it was just really cool to see. But So that was the 15th Mew. Uh, I also attached to other units I did recon for a little bit, which was a lot of fun. Part of the female engagement team. And then just like really interesting things. And then after the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit, I got stationed at Headquarters Marine Corps uh, at the Pentagon. Wow, that's cool. (laughs) I was there for five years. (laughs) Wow. For five years. What's that like? I ended up being at the Pentagon longer than a technically a deployable unit. But because I was part of the combat artist program, I did deployments to Iraq and many deployments throughout under the art program. So I did get out of that like building for a little bit. Well, that's um, good. So I think that you, would be worse than deploying. Yeah. <laughs> you got to serve out of Camp Pendleton and then you got to serve out of the Pentagon. You got to serve on both the East Coast and the West Coast. Our million dollar question for our guests on this podcast is which coast was your favorite coast oh i mean i ha- i'd have to say the west coast because I mean, cheers west coast is the best coast it is it is and i'm trying to make my way back there because i love the warmth and yeah the sun. i don't know i don't know why i mean they're all they're so different in terms of duty stations though but it I had to pick one obviously weather and the beach and all that i would definitely go back to the west coast, west coast. But, yeah. Um, she didn't and, even hesitate. I love when they don't have no, any I know. hesitation. Not at all. Not I know. At all. West Coast is definitely winning our, our <laughs> innocent poll. Oh, yeah. Bye. I, I, yeah, I love it. I'm actually getting into bike packing and I'm going to be taking my sketchbook with me and I want to bike pack out to uh, California from. Yeah. Um, Are you thinking about going on the, what is that trail that goes from the East Coast to the West Coast? 
or vice versa? Uh, the yeah. um, the one that's right along the coast. I don't remember no, the name. No, no, no. It goes from the East Coast to the West Coast. So there's the Pacific Crest Trail that goes from so Mexico to Canada through the West Coast. And then you have the Appalachian Trail that goes from Georgia to Maine. And then you have the Continental Divide. And that one is New Mexico to Montana up to the Canadian border. And then there's one that goes the other way. It goes from the East Coast to the West Coast or the West Coast to the East Coast, depending on... Is it like the Greenland Greenland Trail or something? I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna Google it while we're talking. Yeah, like now I'm at a I'm at a loss because I know the three that go from like north, south, south, north, and then if you do all three of those, you're considered a triple crown. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I think I'm considered a triple crown. Oh, and you can oh. like you can bike those, you can horse those, or you can hike those. Trans America. It's called the Trans America Trail. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, the Trans America Trail. And it goes from like yeah. New Jersey, right? New Jersey to California. No, it's it takes three months. It says most riders choose to ride east to west and begin Makes the sense. three month journey in May. It's four thousand two hundred sixty two miles. Yeah, it's a journey. And well, this says it starts in Astoria, Oregon, and ends in Yorktown, Virginia. So yeah, that's probably that's the one I was thinking of, but that's similar. I'm the just Trans- gonna- Trans America Trail. Yeah. So, are you going to go from where you are now all the way to the West Coast? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Most likely. That's the I'm- East Coast Greenway. The Greenway. Right. Greenway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so trails out there. That's. that's cool. Trying to find a way to like in- incorporate adventure into my life still, even if I'm out of Marine Corps. Um, I do the same thing. I'm yeah. right there with you. Like I want to do the Pacific Crest Trail, and then I want to do the Arizona. Like I'm a hiker. I'm an outdoors fanatic. Oh, I- so I never got into the bicycle stuff, but I'm definitely all about hiking. And then uh- I'm getting married randomly in October. Look! Oh my gosh! I love it. Yeah. I have one too. I have the offspring, which I love, but so I'm getting married in October and he took a job where he's going to be traveling because he's a heavy equipment operator. So he's going to be traveling with the company that he took the job with recently. So we're going to be able to like every couple months move to a different state. And I'm, I'm secretly like so excited. He was like, yeah. are you sure you're okay with this? And I'm like, yeah, no, I 100% support you in this decision. But like secretly, I'm like, yes. So you don't have to move say- every couple months and experience a new state or a new place or like an adventure. Like, yes, I am yeah. so excited. He's super concerned because I'm trying to like play it off. And I'm like, yeah, no, I support you in this decision. But like, I'm really like, this is everything I ever wanted. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've moved every year for the past 10 years. Even when I was stationed at um, the Pentagon, even though I was there for five years, I moved every year to a little different. Right. One, you get the itch. Like when you come from that military mindset, like you get the itch. It's hard to stay in one place for too long. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters.
being in the Marine Corps and having the amazing job that you have been able to have and using your art skills for that, do you have an active duty story that you can tell us? I have a lot of active duty stories I can tell you. Um, <laughs> we do love those what, stories. Well, in terms of like the combat art artist side yeah, or just in, in general, like a, just a fun story, maybe like you hanging out with your people or any, like if you want to tell a combat artist story or just something fun that you did while you were in active duty. As cool as being deployed with first marine division all that and all that was headquarters of marine corps at the pentagon offered me a lot of unique opportunities to work directly under the commandant and um, you know the higher echelon staff and at one point in my career this was in 2018 i believe um the the commandant gets their portrait painted Every commandant gets their portrait painted and they had done away with the funding to support that. And me being stubborn and not wanting to see this historic collection just stop, pretty much like put my work in front of the commandant. And I was like, please let me paint your portrait. Like, trust me. He's like, are you sure? He was a very stern, his, his name's General Neller or was General Neller. And he's like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you can do this? I'm like, yes, I can do this. Trust me, I got this. And um, I ended up being the first active duty Marine to add to the portrait painting collection, which hangs in the Pentagon and in the commandants, the home of the commandants at 8th and I. And the way I was able to do it was basically I'm active duty, which means I could work for free, <laughs> essentially. And I did it digitally, which so there was no like supplies cost, but it it was painted the same way as like an oil painting. So it matches the collection for me. That was like, that was really cool. That's I got chills when you were telling that, like, that is awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was tough because he, it took about a year to paint that. And he's a, he was a man of few words. Um, and I would go into his office being, uh, I think I was a sergeant still at the time. And I would have to, try and pitch him this idea in like two minutes and he was like yes no okay get out of here <laughs> like you know me like oh god okay let's get it and all these like majors and captains being like who is this person walking into the commandant's office? like who is this I was like yeah on my way <laughs> like here I come yeah here I come everybody knew who I was because I was like the artist you know like everyone came for me when they needed like art things done um, I also got to do, uh, we did something called Marine Week. And basically once a year, the Marine Corps would take units to a certain city that didn't necessarily military anywhere. And we would kind of show the capabilities of the Marine Corps. And what I would do was I would paint a, a big mural for the city and I would bring in five other Marines from all over the unit, younger people to like, experience this with me and I would um, design the mural and we would all paint it together and then we would have an unveiling for the city um, at the end of Marine Week which was about two weeks long but what I liked about it was I, I discovered the history of that city and I would incorporate a Marine that was like killed in action and we would invite their family out to the unveiling and we would like oh, paint wow. the mural so it was like really special for, for me to do that too so that's another cool story amazing that you had those opportunities to be so involved in the history and the 
remembrance of those. On top of tradition too. I mean, just being, having that vital role with everything that you did. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is because I'm, I'm stubborn and well, one, one thing is people didn't know what to do with me necessarily because I had this unique ability, like artistic background and people were like, what do we do? What do we do with her? So I was really good at finding ways to implement my art into things. Yeah. um, Which made it easier for me. And then I was able to just draw all the time, but um, and when you have a passion for something, like, that's always a goal is to be able to implement that into everything that you do. Huge. And uh, people ask me all the time, why, why did you get out of the Marine Corps if you had such this great experience and passion? And, well, in the Marine Corps, the higher ranking you get, the less it's about your passions and what you love and the more it should be about, like, your Marines and mentoring them under you and it's not about you anymore so I had to make a choice um, because I personally felt like I was splitting my time between my marines and my the decision to get out so that I could pursue art full-time and figure out another way to do the same thing but as a civilian and not feel like I'm letting down you know the marines under me even if I am in some way inspiring them it's still you know there's a lot of work to mentor young 18, 19, 20 year olds and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, you're, if you're going to stay in the military, like your focus should be those, those people. It shouldn't be what you want to do necessarily. Right. It should be raising the next generation. Yeah. Absolutely. So as cool as our military experiences are, eventually we do have to get out. Like you were talking about, you chose to get out. How was your transition from leaving the Marine Corps to being a veteran? That was interesting. It, obviously, we have, were in the era of COVID, right? So for that, I got out in October of 2020. And so for that full year that I was transitioning out, we were pretty much in a essential worker environment. Even at the Pentagon, we, we weren't really going in all the time. I was as the staff NCO. Um, but my Marines weren't going in. And so I was spending that last year, like pretty much coordinating via like virtual Zoom and stuff. And I almost felt like I wasn't in the Marine Corps anymore. It almost felt like I was a civilian employee already. And so the transition was like so it wasn't like I was in uniform and going to work every single day and doing all that military stuff and then I, and then the next day I wasn't it was like a very slow transition for me but it was tough because everything was online and I'm a very I have to be there in person and I'm not good at learning things on the computer and all those TRS classes transition classes you take we're all online now and um, it was it was actually really tough for me to to figure out everything and I'm still dealing with it with the veterans affairs and um, trying to get all the medical stuff taken care of. Um, so I wouldn't say it was an easy transition, but it wasn't like a, like a, um, no longer, it, there wasn't some like shell shock of being a civilian again. Um, plus I'm really good at switching between Marine Corps demeanor and then civilian demeanor. I've never had an issue with that. But. When you were taking those classes online, was it, um, here's some PowerPoints for you to go through or, uh, 
Yeah, it was basically PowerPoints. Like, you know, those annual training classes you have to take. Mm-hmm. It was that, but like times 10. Um, so it, there was like, so it wasn't even like a online classroom environment. It was, here's all the stuff you need to click through. Yep. Yeah. So I, can, I guess that's probably about as beneficial as it would have been sitting in the class anyway. Yeah, it was, it was click, click, click. Well, if you were to actually have the class, they would bring in like people like representatives from the VA, for instance, to like talk to you. And if you had questions, you could ask them right there. And it was like, and then I was going through a lot of like medical things that last year too, and figuring out, oh, like I need this taken care of, but <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen until after I'm out of the military and it was craziness, but. Still all on hold because everything's closed because of COVID. Yeah, still waiting. So. My claims are still like, yeah, everything's delayed and. Yeah. That's the stressful thing for me right now in terms of transitioning is waiting on all that stuff because I just want everything like done you know (laughs) like move on and I'm kind of stuck here in South Carolina because that's where I'm doing all the appointments and all of that so until all that gets taken care of I can't even think about um, moving or right you know because it's easier to take care of it where you're at than to try to move and start over yeah so the whole initial plan was I was actually going to go straight back to college for a master's degree and so the original plan was to move in with my dad here who lives in South Carolina and check out a college called Savannah College of Art and Design which is a really good art school but I think I've since decided I don't want to go straight back to college and I'm doing really well as just a freelance artist and I just want to push that as much as I can even though school's free (laughs) right We'll see it once COVID settles down a little, little more and there's no more online classes. Yeah. No, I, I get that because I was in school for my business degree and I'm uh, like one semester away from graduating, but COVID hit and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, the online. Like I can't do the online. Like I failed a couple classes when I tried. I was like, I then this isn't me and I don't want to. I don't necessarily need my degree for anything. I was just using it to use my GI bill. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, I kind of don't want to not do well. I don't want to just like slide by to get my degree. I want to like successfully get my degree. So I've put a pause on my last semester of college until kind of this COVID stuff runs out so that I can go back to in-person school. That's, that's important to me before even starting so plus as somebody who's who went to college before joining the military which means that you know an art school is not cheap um and I paid for all of art school through loans so I have a debt substantial debt that I still am trying to pay back and if I'm to go back to school I want it to be that I actually want to learn something and not just occur even though it's free through I bill I just you know it's just right my brain, I guess. That's the same thing. I don't want to just like squeak through on online courses. Like I want to be involved in my classes. And so I'm kind of, I've kind of put it on pause. Yeah. It's actually been good for me to slow down a little bit and like, you know, spend time with my dad, for instance, who, you know, I I went straight to, from Ohio to Boston after high school and I hadn't been back really home because there was like a few years there really talk to my family much 
family drama and all that. Yeah. So it's nice kind of coming back and spending time with family. And my mom's in Florida, which isn't that far away. And I've gone up there a few times as well. So it's it's nice to just like, you know. <laughs> right. Moment, I enjoy, just enjoy the downtime and focus yeah. on your craft. Drawing all day. <laughs> right. The struggle is real. So that note, Elise, how are you doing now that you've been out for a couple of months? I know that you're a newer veteran, but how are you doing now that you've been out for a few months? Good. I'm I'm doing really well. I I think the the biggest challenge for me is continuing to find that like thrill, adventure thrill. And that's something that I'm working on. You're going to be chasing that for years. You're always going to yeah. be looking for that next yeah. adrenaline rush. Luckily for me, I'm actually still a part of the combat artist program as a civilian, which means, and this was one thing that made it easy for me getting out because the whole reason I joined was to, to be a part of that combat artist program. And now I can do it as a civilian. Um, so when COVID subsides, subsides a little bit, I'm actually going to be going on deployment and all that as a civilian and doing exactly what I was doing in the Marine Corps, just not in uniform. And so I have that hope to like hold on to and be like, okay, things in the future and it's okay. (laughs) That's really cool that you're still going to be able to go over there and do what you love doing. But as a contractor, as opposed to, would it be contract or would it be DOD? It'll be not a con. It'll be kind of like a contractor. Um, Okay. It's, yeah, I would call it like a contractor. They get paid. It's through the National Museum of the Marine Corps. And so it's their funds. And they so you're contracted by the museum as opposed to being a government. Yeah, job. exactly. And we have one GS employee now that runs the program, so which is great. And he was a, also an active duty Marine combat artist. So he knows it all. And um, we're moving in the right direction. But That's so cool. It really is. So I, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm pretty much just drawing. I'm really working on my social media presence and trying to build that and and get that ball rolling <laughs> slowly. <Yeah>. That's a <laughs> time-consuming endeavor. It's all yeah. day. Yeah. But I, I I love it. I'm, I mean, like I said earlier in, in the um, podcast, I would film break dancing videos in high school. So I've always had this bug of like vlogging. And even in the Marine Corps, those first few years, if you go on my YouTube, you'll see really embarrassing videos of me, like vlogging as a Lance Corporal, like this is what a junk on the bunk inspection is. And I lay it out. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it is really, it's, it's cool. I love that I did it. I documented going from basically zero pull-ups up to like 20 pull-ups just to prove that like females could do pull-ups too. And there's this whole stigma at the time that we couldn't do them and they shouldn't. I st- I can't, I, <laughs> I don't have upper body strength. I never, it takes a lot even of playing, <laughs> even playing sports. I still, I mean, and I was a catcher in softball. I still could huff the ball down to second base, but yeah. I no, there ain't nothing here. <laughs> it looks like but I hate push-ups I hate them I suck at push-ups <laughs> like my but I would like film all that stuff and so I've always liked to like film I guess and I don't know we'll <laughs> that's neat though that there's uh, p- 
people out there like you that are willing to film that stuff. And it kind of creates a, a living history of, of where we're at now. Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. Like a moment in time, like my art, but video. Yeah. And that's neat that, but you have that artist's mind. So when you do the videos, like they're a little bit more productive than like, if I was to do the videos, because then it would just be messy and awkward and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> we should start it. Oh, we should. No. We should not. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, Elise, if you had some advice for those that are either getting ready to become veterans or are newly veterans themselves, what advice would that be? Um, I, well, I'm sure everybody says this is, you know, get that medical started. Don't wait on it. Just, just start getting it documented. The sooner the better, because once you're out of the military, you get put in the pool of everyone else. Whereas if you're active duty, you're essentially put in an active duty pool of people and you get things done a lot quicker than, than you would if you were out of the military from personal experience. Yeah, that would be my, my biggest advice, but also, don't be don't be afraid of of the unknown because everything in life is unknown and, and the future is never predictable. And you just, the sooner you accept that that's how it's going to be, the better. <laughs> yeah, just just roll with it. That's probably, that's really good advice. That is good advice. <laughs> that's me who I am like a planner and I'm I like things planned out and so I've been teaching such my person <laughs> I'm a planner but I'm a like- planner too and like if my plan like I usually have plan a b c d and e but if yes. something goes crooked in a b c d or e like my whole day is off what do I do I'm the kind of person that shows up like two hours before the movie starts yeah but I'm, I'm trying to be more spontaneous and it's in actually joining the military helped me in a sense, even though it's so regimented, but mm-hmm. there is like, things you have to adapt to last military. And, yeah. um, My life is very, from the outside looking in, spontaneous and crazy, but from the inside looking out, it is very regimented, regimented. and like planned and like, and that's <laughs> something a lot of people don't get. But because when they just look at like my social media or like my day-to-day like life or whatever, they're like, she's all over the place and she's doing this and she's here and she's there and she's doing all these things. But then like internally, like every one of those things has been planned so (laughs) meticulously that like it looks spontaneous, but it is not. I can definitely relate to that. And I would say like even getting out of the military, it can't challenging not having that military regiment anymore so if you can implement that to some degree whether it's just like I'm going to get up at 8 a.m every day and like that's the time I'm getting up and you know, get up and I'm make coffee yeah like this is when I'm making coffee I think um because those first few weeks even from gradually getting out like I was like oh I don't have to get up at like this time anymore and I have to like make sure my marines are not sleeping in or something like I don't have it's just me now I don't have to care for anyone else but me um so you know take the time to like build your schedule and yeah it's important yeah for sure so if our viewers or listeners I guess they're not really viewing they may on YouTube one day when we get your video up on YouTube (laughs) right in like six months because we're behind on that but if our listeners 
to this podcast would like to contact you if they had questions about maybe what you did or more about your story or if they just needed someone to talk to, how can they find you? You can find me anywhere online. If you search Ink Stick Art, it'll come up on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. My email is inkstickart at yahoo.com. LinkedIn is inkstickart. Like you just search that and it'll come up. And I'm, I'll always reply to DMs. Um, I'm always replying to emails. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So, and I love answering questions and helping people. So please reach out. Yeah, just give Elise a shout out. Let her know that you were listening to her and that you appreciated her episode. I have to. I have been very, very quiet. Yeah, you have. and I've. I'm just. You are amazing, and the things. Whether you believe that you're amazing or not, but the things that you have accomplished in your life, you came from this tiny little town in Ohio, <laughs> and moved to Boston, got a degree. And then joined the Marine Corps. And then, so even before the Marine Corps, you were doing amazing things. And while you were in, all the things that you did while you were in, it's just, I, I'm in awe. Thank you <laughs> so much. It's really, really cool to, um, to hear, to hear your story, to hear what you did and to know the things that you were involved in. And that you get to continue to be a part of, even out of the Marine Corps. I, it's just, that's a really, not everyone gets to say that they made sure that something that's been historical for so long, and they had a hand in making sure that it continues to be. So that's really, really special. I know, it's so funny when I talk about like my experiences, because it took me a long time to like think see what I have done from like an outsider perspective until I started doing talks like this and realizing like, Oh, that is actually kind of interesting. Cause I mean, it's obviously just my life and the way that my path has laid out for me. Right. And I necessarily don't see it like that, but I'm glad the that crazy thing is when you're in the service, whatever branch you're in, the things that you are doing don't feel spectacular right Right. like they're they're just what you do like you go in you report for duty you do what you're supposed to do that day like whether it's talking to airplanes like Amber and I did or drawing pictures like what you did in the Marine Corps taking pictures or whatever the case might like that's just what your day consisted of and that's just what you did and you don't realize how spectacular the things you did in the service were until you get out of the service and realize how many people will never ever have that opportunity to do the things that you were able to do you know what's so interesting about that is the whole which is funny because you're saying like I'm one of those people but my whole like purpose is to make sure that your stories and everyone else's stories in those situations are told and whether it's if I'm out like drawing on location and somebody's just doing what they think is a monotonous task, right? And all of a sudden, I, I put it in this sketchbook that's going to be, like, archived in history. And all of a sudden, like, that moment of what they did is important to them. And they write home to mom and dad and tell them, like, this is what happened. All of a sudden, they have this, like, new perspective on what it is they're doing. So it's just yeah. funny. Because, like, that's what I want people to to see themselves as. So right. it's like... And that's what, that's what we, through our 
media, our form of media, the podcast art, want people to see about you is how spectacular your role in in the service and post-service are. So it's full circle. It really is. It's like full yeah. circle. Full I love circle. it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startup. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about the charity that we're choosing to support this episode? Sure. So on top of our continuous support of the Silva Hollow Project and all the things that they do with their organization, we are also supporting the Fallen Outdoors, which is a veteran organization that takes veterans. They take uh, veterans all across the country hunting and fishing. So if that's something you're into, you don't have to be a combat vet or Purple Heart recipient. You just have to be a veteran and you can go on their website, punch in your information where you're at, and they can get you hooked up. And in order for Amanda and I to support Tova Hollow Project and the Fallen Outdoors, we have merch for sale. Amanda will put the link in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, there are hoodies, long sleeve shirts, t-shirts, tank tops, masks, coffee cups, and we also have koozies and stickers. So if you'd like a koozie or sticker, those are not available in our merch store. They are available directly from Amber or myself. And so if you would like to go down that road and uh, contact us for those, or if you are just interested in Amber and I and our personal stories, or if you just need someone to talk to, or if you want to be part of our show, give us a reach out. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka, or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. And like Amanda said, please reach out to us, not just for merch. If you need someone to talk to, if you are interested in being a guest on our podcast and telling your story, you can send us an email or a direct message on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pandora, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We love your constructive criticism. And by leaving us a review or a rating in podcast land, it also allows us to be more searchable. And that way, more veterans can hear the stories that we're telling and we can get our message out that much easier. If you would like to see exclusive uncut video footage of how we record our podcast and what happens prior to our editing process, like the sneeze that Amber just gave on video recorded, you but can I find was it. Muted. She did mute it. She did. But the, the visual was still there. So go to YouTube and check out Amber's sneeze because it was hilarious. So our uncut, unedited video footage of our podcast will be on YouTube. You can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. We start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
We are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there that it is an unscripted live veterans networking event. So while we do invite civilian, military, or active duty members, it is occasionally out of control. It is occasionally graphic. And it is absolutely 100% what happens when you put a bunch of veterans together to share their stories. But the reason why Amanda and I started this podcast was not only to reach out to veterans and hear their stories, but to bring about mental health awareness and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans Drinking Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.